Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Good to be back with you guys. Y'all ain't ran me off yet. God's good. Yes. Um, just pull up that title slide, brother. I think so, yeah. Hey, Matt, can you, there you go, you the man. Give that man a raise back there. Uh. I remember the first time I ever got one. Does anybody in here ever remember what it was like the first time they ever got like a handwritten letter? Right? I kind of do. And and it was, I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it. Of course, I'm old enough to remember like handwritten letters were all that you got, you know, we, we didn't have, I mean, you either got a phone call or you got a handwritten letter. That's it, okay? Um, I mean, I'm not that old, but I, I, I'm old enough to remember, okay? There's something special about a handwritten letter. I don't know what it is. There, there really is. There's something special about even the way that it makes you feel. I mean, one of the, my favorite things to do, I love to get handwritten letters from my wife. I really do. And, and, and listen, I, I'm not good at this. I'll try to write, I'll try to give her some too from time to time. I'm going to get better. Yes. Um. <laughs> but the thing about a, a handwritten letter that I, I think that makes them so special is that, like, well, I'm up here talking right now, and, and listen, this is completely off the cuff. I've not written this down. This is just me trying to communicate. If I mess up what I say, I can't take it back. You guys have done heard it. But the thing about a handwritten letter, though, is you can write it down and read it and go, that didn't sound as good as it did when it came out of my head. I better rewrite that. You can, and so I think that's partly why they're so special, right? Now, listen, this is, this is Pentecost Sunday. I'm not really preaching a Pentecost message, but I want you to know that what I am preaching on is a precursor to us to finally get to a place where we could re- receive revival, okay? Because that's exactly what happened when the Pentecost Sunday happened. God's Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the believers, it filled the room, and it gave them power. And, and, and if Scripture says it gives them power to go preach the gospel, to go to, 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 to boldly testify. It, gives, it, like, like there, it, says, it says there is tongues of fire, and it, everyone and suddenly could, could understand each other. Now, you have to understand, of course, you know, contextually, this was a time when there was about three million people in one city. A whole bunch of, deep, whole bunch of people spoke different languages, too. They could all understand each other. But, but the point of all that is not that they could understand each other. It's that, that there's power that comes when God's Holy Spirit comes. There's power in it. But the truth is, one of the struggles with the church is, is we haven't always positioned ourselves to receive that power. We really haven't. And today we're going to be in one of the longest books of the Bible, Philemon. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, if you've, 
Um, if you could, if you open your, your Bibles, we are Philemon or Philemon. How, I'm not sure the, the, the 100% correct way to pronounce this. I pronounced this wrong for a very long time. I'm pretty sure it is, it is Philemon. Um, I've, when I first read it, I pronounced it Philemon for the, very, for the longest time, and I was wrong. If you guys, you guys, I've been here with you a couple weeks. You, you start kind of getting used to the way that I preach. Uh, it, it, the, it, the more times I've been here, I'm kind of a verse-by-verse verse type of guy. Um, and I like to give you a little context to where we're at before we get to the, to the, to the main course. And I hope that's okay with everybody. Um, if not, well, you gave me the microphone. Uh, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, Now, this is one chapter in the Bible. It's whopping 25 verses, so we're going to go through it all, okay? And because I, I feel like if I left any of it out, I'd be kind of doing it at a disservice. But we're not going to stick with all of it very long, okay? Um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about it before we, uh, before we read through it. Um, now, if you're not familiar with this book, if, you, if you've got your Bibles open, again, it's only one chapter, now, I was thinking last night, man, could you imagine? I know you guys love Bible quizzing around here. Could you imagine if, like, Bible quizzers just got that one book and said, hey, this is what we're quizzing over this year? How excited would you all be over that? I'm just saying. Some of y'all are pretty awesome at that. Like, I mean, you know, what I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, just memorize the whole thing. Memory verses, all of it, you know? Context, all of it. It's just, yeah. Anyway, um, even though the book is really short, though, it's full of, like, some great truth. I mean, this is one of the, the, the few books in the, in the Bible that Paul wrote that wasn't addressed to a church. It wasn't addressed to a, a specific group of people. It was addressed to one single person, and yet for some reason, it still ended up in canon of Scripture. We still consider this authoritative in Scripture, so, so what's in here is important. Amen? Can we all agree with that? Praise the Lord. Everybody agreed. All right. Um, now, here, here's the thing. The, the book is wrote to Philemon, but, but it's really not about him. It's really not. It's just to him. But, but again, this is a, a handwritten letter to Philemon about a guy named Onesimus or Onesimus. I don't know why I went back to the way I used to pronounce it. It's Onesimus. That's the correct way to pronounce it. Uh, and for the longest time, I've, I, I would pronounce it one Simus, and I thought that's a weird, you know. You want listen? I, I just want to go ahead and throw this out here. If you want, if you want a, a, a name that would stick out to, to a baby that no one else ever uses, you, there's plenty of them right here. Okay, I've never come across another Onesimus in my life ever. Anybody else? Nope. Didn't think so. Um, uh, so anyway, um, again, these names are usually pronounced at least at once when you guys first read this. But this, this whole book has really a couple themes in it. And one of them, in our country, in the last several years especially, has just become a very hot topic. It's slavery. But we have to understand that the, the context that this is written in, this is written back when slavery was uh, just a, a normal thing, a very normal thing. 
Matter of fact, in Rome, it's, some scholars believe that there's, there was uh, somewhere between, um, I, I want to say it was like 60 million, uh, 60 million slaves at the time, just in, in, in the Roman Empire. And, and there was a multiple different ways you could become a slave. You could become a slave maybe, maybe during, if, if Rome came, Rome was a great conqueror, if they came and conquered your town, and you were a survivor, you might have been a slave. Or if they came and they killed your mom and dad, they may take you as a child, and you might be a slave to them then. But, but it was, it was much, of their, much of their way of life was, was built around this. The other way you might become a slave, too, is that, and this, was, and this was even a, uh, could be a Jewish principle, if you owed a debt, you might have to go work that debt off. You're an indentured servant. You have so many years to work that debt off, and then it's, it's, it's slightly clean. You might give their, they, some of the times, the parents would give their children away to go and be a slave. Now, we all look at that now, and we think, man, that's terrible. What, what a barbaric practice. And they're right. But at the time, this was a culture and the context is written in. So I want to understand, I want to get something very clear out of the way. And I, I think everybody in here in this room knows this, but this is not condoning slavery, what we're reading here. There's nothing in Scripture, if you really read in Scripture, condone slavery. It just doesn't. The thing about Christianity is it puts us all on equal footing. It really does. But also the thing about Christianity, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, is that if you look at the way that Jesus saved the world, it was at one person at a time. Jesus might have preached to masses, but I can tell you he, he saved the world by one person at a time. Christianity, Paul, uh, it, like they, they, but the point is, is that they were not a looking to... to, to eradicate and change all of culture all at once. They're looking to change the one, and then, and then the one change the next one, and the one change the next one. And by, and, and by, and by way of multiplication in that way, then it would, it would change culture. And it did. Praise God. Amen? But it hasn't completely changed, like, because there's still slavery in the world. Amen. There, there really is. There's slavery right now in this world. It has completely changed, which means the gospel still needs to go. Really does. You know what? I'm just going. Sorry, guys. <laughs> My notes probably be better if I stayed up there today, but I'm not going to. That's all right with everybody else. Um, I stood up there for just about, about a minute, and the Lord said, no, just... I'm just going to preach it as it is, all right? Is that okay with everybody else? <laughs> let's, let's, let's read through this. So if you have your Bibles, would you, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? We've not been doing that, and I'm sorry about that. Um, if, you're, if you're able, if you're able, would you stand with the reading, reading of God's Word with me? We're going to read through this, and again, we're just going to kind of go back through it little by little, and I, want to, I got some, some points I want to really like hit in for, I think, that will speak to all of us today and where we're at. Um, what God wants us to hear. Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, 
our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, my God, always making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, Though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but is now useful to both you and me. I've sent him back to you in person. That, that, that is, I'm sending my very heart whom I've wished to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness wouldn't, would not be in effect by compulsion, but by your own free will. And for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever, no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than I, what I say. And at the same time, also prepare a lodging for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. If I was my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that, Lord, was once a private letter. Lord, is an open letter for us all to read and to hear from your heart. God, that we can apply the same principles that we read in here, God, to our lives. And, and Lord, that we would follow you closer. God, that we would know who we are in you. God, I ask now that you speak. Hide me behind your cross. God, complete your promise that you have that your word will never return void. So thank you for that. Be with us, lead us, guide us. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let me be seated. As Paul opens up this letter... Paul opens up this letter and he says, he says I'm, a, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, typically, Paul opens up the letter somewhat like that, but he also begins to do something he doesn't do until about midway through this because he's not sending it 
to a group of people. He sent it to someone that he knows. He doesn't go ahead and assert his authority right away and say, hey, I'm an apostle. He says, I'm just a prisoner of Christ. Now, the thing about this letter is, is it was written, it, it was likely sent at the exact same time as um, the uh, letter to the, the church in Colossus. Um, it was written somewhere around 61 AD, and I think they believe that Paul died somewhere between 65 and 66 AD. So, and, and he was getting up in years, and there, you'll catch a part where he says he's getting older, right? And likely, if, you, if you've studied Paul's life at all, at, by, the time that, at, by the time he got in here, his body was pretty beaten up, worn down. He'd been chipped, wrecked, snake bit, beat, tortured, drugged through the street, you know, all these things. I mean, he, he had a pretty rough life, but he had joy. <laughs> Amen. And he writes this letter. It, now, Aphia it, it likely was, was Philemon's wife. Aricopus was, uh, was, was his son. And if you read in Colossians, it even begins to talk about that, that, that he would um, complete the work that, that they have, have for the church. I'll go back to you. I'll say to you again, I, I told you all this last week. He says, grace to you, peace from our God, Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, where is grace and peace come from? Okay, I think there's like two people that know. Where does grace and peace come from? Huh? Yes, Holy Spirit. It comes from, comes from the Father. comes from the Holy Spirit. Comes. Listen, you don't have real peace until you have... Paul always says, hey, grace to you first. When you have God's grace, God's Holy Spirit, His presence, you're right. Then the, then the peace of God comes, comes in. You have to understand the grace of God before you can understand the peace of God. You really do. I'm going to say that again. You have to understand the grace of God before you understand the peace of God. You don't just get peace without grace. You, you don't. I mean, faith, our, our salvation comes by faith alone, but it comes through grace. God's grace. I, I can tell you this, and, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to beat up on our own tribe, but I can tell you over the years, I think, is in our pursuit of holiness at times, are we, we struggled to understand God's grace as much because we sought after holiness so much we wanted to raise everyone else up to where God's expectations for us. And we forgot about the grace of where we, were, where we came from. Because I can, listen, nobody in this room knows as much except for my wife. God's really brought me far. I, I was not a, always the person that stands before you today. You've got to understand God's grace. And if it's for you, it's for everybody. Paul says, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I, I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward Jesus and towards all the saints. I, I, listen, I, I, this is... I don't want to stick on this, but I, I just want to ask, ask a question. If someone were to write a letter today about what your faith looked like to them, what would it say? That hurt me when I thought about it, being honest with you. And I, and I try to live a, a pretty bold, bold, bold life for Christ, but 
What would it look like today? Paul, Paul says, hey, I thank my God always making mention because I, I hear of your faith. Like, listen, they're, they're thousands of miles apart. I, I hear of your, your love and of your faith which you have towards Jesus and, to all, and towards all the saints. Do, do you guys have love towards not just Jesus, but to, toward all the saints? Do you have love not just for Jesus? Like, oh, I love Jesus, but that one guy that's sitting over there, listen, I don't really care for too much for them. Or, or listen, listen, my own family at times, I don't have so much love for them. They say they're Christian, but I'm, I'll just be honest, I don't have much love for them most of the time either. If you'd heard the way my mother-in-law talked to me, I'll just tell you, I don't want to talk, talk to her anytime soon. <laughs> Jesus, help them. <laughs> Right after service, we're going to have a time of anointing and prayer. <laughs> my coworker, man, I know, I know he's, listen, my coworker, I know he goes down the church down the road, and sometimes the way he acts, I don't want nothing to do with him. Do you have love for the saints of the church? Because Jesus does. Jesus does. And, and if our model is to, is to look and to be like him, where do we miss that? And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Now, I, I want to point this out real quick. That word fellowship... It's a Greek word for koinonia. You all some good Christian people. You've heard that word before, right? Koinonia. Now listen, it's important. It, it, it's, it's actually, it's a must. It's a must that you share your faith outside of these walls. But if you ever want to see people share your faith outside of these walls, it's a need it is a need that you share your faith inside of these walls. It's a need that you share your faith inside of the walls of your own home. Inside of the, in, 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 where you, you, you see what I'm saying? Listen, that's exactly what that's point, telling, saying. Hey, listen, he says, I pray that the fellowship of your faith become effective through the knowledge of every good thing. Every good thing which is in Christ's sake. It's the coin, it, that, that's what koinonia means. Hey, that's, that's, that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you should share your faith with each other. You should, you should build each other up. You should continually live, give each other grace. Give each other your own testimony in time. Let me tell you what God did for me this week. Let me tell you how God spoke to me in my prayers. I was reading through the Bible and God spoke to me this. It doesn't matter what that even looks like in your life. I was praying the other day and, and God answered my prayer. Let me tell you how God answered my prayer. If we don't build each other up, it's not just about coming in here, singing a few songs, and listening to me get up and preach. Or anybody else get up and preach. It's really not. We're to build each other up. Amen. We're to share our faith with each other. We're to come close to one another. It's a, it's a fellowship that turns into to family. If we miss it, if we miss that, 
We'll come in here and we'll never get past with, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Well, that's good. I'm going to go over here and sit down now. We'll never get past that. We'll never know a thing about each other's lives. We'll never understand if we can't share our troubles with one another. If you don't share your troubles with your brothers and sisters in Christ, by the way, they don't really know how to pray for you. And that takes us being brave with one another too, by the way. Because you've got to be brave to, 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 to be transparent, to, to, to share yourself with each other. And that's hard. But if you don't understand each other's weaknesses, if you don't understand what, what each one of you are going through, you can't pray for each other. You can't even say, hey, listen, I kind of get where you're at right now because I was there once upon a time too, and this is how God got me through it. That could become part of your testimony. And that's how you start to move forward. That's how That creates unity with one another. And you begin to come to this place, listen, where there's unity, there's God's Spirit. Remember what I said, said at the beginning of my message? We've got to get to a place where we become unified in Christ. Because when unity is here, God is here. It, it, like it gives him free reign upon us, upon us because we're here for like one reason. We're one reason only. I, I come here... Listen, I came here to, to, to preach to you what God laid in my heart, but I come here just as much as you did to sit in the presence of God and to be with God's people and to build each other up so I can go out and like refresh and recharge. So, when I, so, so the rest of my work week, listen, my work week hasn't been so great. I'm going to tell you right now, I had a rough week this week. They let go of some, some, some close friends of mine at work. And I've seen it happen everywhere right now. We're just... I had a rough week. I bet I'm not the only one. I See, I need you guys to pray for me just as much as you need me to pray for you. But it's not just me, it's, it's each other. It's something any body of believers has figured out, by the way, too. It's not just a pastor. Because because here's the deal, and this is what I would pray and I would hope, that once any pastor comes and goes through here as God wills it, you all are still here for each other. Because that's what a family of Christ does. Verse 7, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. <laughs> Man, what a great thing to be known as a refresher. <laughs> and therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, and I love this, okay? He, he's, now, now at this point, he's starting to assert, hey, even though I've got the authority to do this, to, to tell you what to do. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. Since I am such a person as Paul, an old man, and, and, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, plea for, a plea for, for uh, Onesimus. L listen, 
wouldn't Christianity be a whole lot simpler if God just sort of told you what to do and what not to do and like and sort of made you do it? I'm just being honest. It would. I mean, it would be so much simpler if you just sort of, if you didn't have to think about it. If you just automatically woke up and did the next right thing, no matter what that looked like, because you didn't, you didn't really have control over it. But can I tell you something, church? We have free will. <laughs> he, he says, listen, I've got the authority to do it. And what he's really talking about is Paul, Paul knows I've got the spiritual authority to do that. But too often, we kind of look for someone to tell us the next right thing instead of just do the next right thing. Paul has the authority at this, at this point to do this. Matter of fact, it's very, it's very likely that, that Philemon is, is a brother in Christ because he came under the belief under, Paul, under Paul's preaching. There, there's, he goes on to say that, says, hey, by the way, you know you kind of owe me your life. Now, he, he might have, I don't know, fought off a snake, I don't know, or something like that. Who, who knows what he done to save his life? But I, I think it's more like an eternal life he's talking about. He says, I have enough confidence in Christ in order you do what is proper. We're getting there, I promise. And I appeal to you for my child. Onesimus, whom I have begotten in prison in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but it is now useful to both you and me. Now Paul used, begins to do like a little play on words here. The word Onesimus, like that that name Onesimus. By the way, back then your name meant something. It was like a, a really important to to whatever. So the word Onesimus literally means useful one. And Paul says, hey, he was, very, he was kind of useless to you. <laughs> he was your slave. He's sort of useless to me, but he's now even more useful to me. But now he, I, I, he, he's, he's useful. I want to send him back to you as, as, as a useful person. But I can't, it, it doesn't say this particularly in Scripture. I've read some commentary on this. It, it's, um, there was a belief that, that Onesimus had stolen from Philemon and fled. Now, I can't tell you how we don't want to add or take away from Scripture here. Um, it's, it's likely, though, that, that Paul was there with them at some point in time, and he's, he'd helped build this church in Coloss. Philemon was a pretty rich guy. He owned his own house, owned his own slaves. We know he was pretty rich at this point, right? And not only that, he also opened up his house to he also opened up his house so there could be a church inside of his house. How many of you guys would do that? <laughs> Got a couple. Would you open up your house to have church services in it? Most of us say that, but most of us won't do that without going on a three hour cleaning spree. <laughs> I mean, just being honest, like, I'll do it. Oh, I didn't have time to clean. We're canceling service. <laughs> You're right. I totally wouldn't. You come in, and if my house is a mess, God, listen, it's lived in, okay? We have a clean house. 
but it's a lived-in house. It's not always perfect. I think that's I think that should be okay with everybody. I really do. I think we need to get to back to a place where that's okay with everybody. Hey, let me invite you in. House a little bit messy. We got dogs. We got kids. Hope that's all right with everybody. Come on in anyway. Your own home should be just as welcoming as this house right here, if not more so. To everybody. It would be good for the church to get back to that. And I'm not saying we need to get back to a place of house church all the time. House church is good. It's special. It's, it's, it's intimate. It is. It's an intimate time with one another. But you understand the reason they had house churches is because they didn't have houses like this. They just didn't. There were synagogues where Jewish people met. Just being honest, there, there, there wasn't great, they didn't have great big buildings. They had to open up their, house, their houses out of necessity. But guys like Philemon did it because he had the house to do it in. Had a, probably a pretty good sized house, at least for. He owned slaves. But honestly, he sounds like a really good guy. Owned slaves or not, it sounded like a great guy. He was a refresher to the people of Christ. He opened up his house. You know, he, like, he, he was obviously a friend to Paul. And I, and I, I want to tell you, again, this is all about culture and context and it's in a point in time in, in, in history that we can't really fathom because we think, man, he owned a slave. He was a terrible person. But that was normal then. It was also normal when you lived in the world, too, for you to cuss, drink, cuss, sin, uh, cheat. You know, you might, you might uh, have, uh, I don't want to, I'm going to hush, I don't want to say too much from the kids, but you, you might have some extramarital affairs, and, and that would be perfectly normal, by the way. You see, there's things that, that suddenly become not so normal once Christ gets in your heart. <laughs> like, oh, wait, I need to change that about myself because I, God's now convicted me of, of the way that I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. And that begins where we're at here. Paul says, I appeal to you for my child. Onesimus is at this point. He's stolen from Philemon. He's ran away from his home. And maybe for whatever reason, he's ran into Paul. And Paul's led him to Christ. Praise God. Amen. What a story of redemption. But I want you to picture yourself. I want you to picture yourself in the living room of Philemon as he read this letter. You ever had anybody steal from you? Yes? I once had someone break in my house and steal my kids' clothes. Because they could sell them, honey. They stole everything else, too. They, they even stole my kids' clothes. And I wasn't there then. I think now. The joy would break my heart if I knew they came to Christ. 
And I need you to see this, okay? Onesimus left his house a slave and a thief. And Paul's writing to him and saying, hey, I really wish to keep this guy, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> Not without at least talking to you, because I know what was right was right. But he's no longer a slave. Church, if we cannot get to a place where we are happy, no matter what the sin was, if we cannot be happy and joyful and excited to see people come to Christ, no matter what it what looked like, it, what they did in our, our old life, I don't care what they've done to you. It doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. Well, we, have to, we have to forgive because if we are to ever be forgiven, Jesus says, hey, if you don't forgive your brother, which, by the way, if they're in Christ, they're your brother now. If you don't forgive them, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. And if you don't forgive, if you, you can't be forgiven. You can't understand God's grace. You, you'll never understand his peace. You'll never understand the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And you will never, ever, as a church, as a group of believers, ever come to the place that we will experience a thing like Pentecost. We won't because we can't become unified if we don't understand his grace and his peace. If we don't get unified, we cannot have, we cannot have what they had all those years ago. And, and, I, and there's, there's nothing that I would desire more for each and every one of you to be filled with such boldness that you walk out of here and you begin preaching, you begin proclaiming God's goodness to everyone that you run into. I would venture to say that, 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 listen, that this church could not hold enough people if we would begin to do that every, on a daily basis. And I love our little small town America, but I'm just being honest, we're not so good at doing that sometimes. We all remember, we know exactly what the last person did. Well, yeah, well, they'll probably never change. I'm not sure they could even, they won't ever be quite the Christian I am. <laughs> Christianity puts us all on equal footing. Hundred percent. Some of you guys that, I, I'm not saying to always forget, because listen, I'm, I'm, we're, not real, I, we're not unrealistic. But if you can't be joyful, if you can't forgive them, if you can't move past it and you can't pursue Christ, help them to pursue Christ in, in, in some way, somehow, some fashion, we're in trouble. The body of Christ would be in trouble.
Paul's like, hey, for, for, for love's sake, for, for, for agape's sake, for, for the love of God, like it, and, it's, and it comes from God, I'm just appealing to you. I'm asking. I'm just asking to you. And he sends back Onesimus to him. And, 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 and here, and he, I want you to get this. It's not that he just sends him back and says, hey, I, I, I want it all to be made right. Like, just forgive it all. Never forget, forget everything happened. He sends him back. And, and Onesimus is, listen, by the way, you'll know, too, that, that they've changed because, and this is something that we probably all need to explore a little bit deeper in our own lives. Onesimus was so changed and, and was so ready he, Onesimus come back to him to make what we call restitution. It's not a word that we use in the church a whole lot anymore either, by the way. Sometimes we, get forg- we let God forgive us and we forget all about ma- getting the people that we've wronged to forgive us. And there's some people that have, have struggled even with the church because good Christian people have went to God for forgiveness, but they didn't go to the they didn't go to the person that they wrong for forgiveness. And even though God washed it clean eternally, I can tell you right here, physically, it still might have caused a scar on someone's heart and in their life. Restitution is still an important thing in our lives. We come to this place where we say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You forgive me. I took from you. Is there a way that I can pay this back? I got a good friend of mine. I won't tell you his name. Been sanctified for 15 years. Something happened to him the other day, and it, and it bothered him so bad. And he's like, "Man, why'd that bother me so bad?" And he finally come to this place where the reason it bothered him so bad is because it's something that maybe he had done a very long time ago. It's just crazy. God began to convict him over something he had he had stolen from someone twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. And the guy never knew it. God never even knew he stole from him. And so he jumps in his vehicle and he drives like three counties over. And he says, hey, man, you're always so good to me. I need you to know something. I stole from you. I, don't, I, need, to, I need to pay you back. I need to apologize to you right now because I need this clear in my soul. That's part of sancti- being sanctified. We preach being sanctified through and through, entirely sanctified. But I could t- it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a divine moment, but it's a continual process in your life. You let God continue to sanctify you and work in your life and pull up things that you thought had, you had forgotten a long time ago. And you say, wait a minute. There's still a deeper place. There's still something I'm missing. And he goes to him and he apologizes to him. And, he, and the guy's like, hey, listen. And consider it completely forgotten. But he offered to, to give restitution. 
You see, restitution isn't just for the person, it's also for you. It is. And it's hard to, to do that, by the way, too. And 2002, I was in Hazard, Kentucky. And I'm no, it was not Hazard. It was in Pikeville, Pikeville, Kentucky. Pikeville, yeah. You think of, yeah, real far eastern Kentucky, okay? Have you ever been over there? Mountains are straight up, straight back down. It's pretty much all, all you see. I rear-ended a lady. Zero damage. You know, barely bumped her car. She didn't press any charges. Because cops showed up. They filed a police report, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, I'm 22 at this time. And a moron. <laughs> I never even looked at the police report of the court date that I missed. <laughs> I don't even remember how many years it was later. It was eight, ten years later. Eighteen years later. I married my beautiful wife you see right over here. And I'm still stupid. And we think, you know, we could probably save a little money if we shopped around for better car insurance. So we shopped around, found a little bit better deal, called in there to change our car insurance. They said, we can insure you. Your license is suspended. What? Why? That's weird. Maybe there's some fine I didn't pay a long time ago. So we drive up to the courthouse. Just trying to be good. Just good citizens of the United States of America and, you know, just do the right thing and because, I mean, I don't want to drive around and license suspended. So walk in there. And it's like, hey, is there some kind of fine I need to pay? I had no idea. Um, apparently my license is suspended. What's wrong? Oh, yeah, here. Let me print this up. Hits a button. Walks back to the office. Comes back with a deputy. And I proceed to get arrested. <laughs> For failure to show to court. I had a bench warrant out for my arrest that was eight to ten years old, and they and they went ahead and arrested me. And one, oh my gosh, it was so much longer than eight. Uh, let's see. My wife and I had been together for probably less than a year. I'll never forget this. They're handcuffing me, and I'm looking at her, going, "Don't leave me." <laughs> it's not what you think I promise I don't know <laughs> and she was so good like she like we were so broke and so she goes and she gets a loan bails me out of jail because you know um, and I'll never forget this like you know it, I have to go to Pikeville Kentucky I worked at America Woodmark I made I don't know like eight bucks an hour I was poor as all get out y'all and when I say poor, what I mean by that is we normally had a, we were we were at a negative place by the time my next paycheck come in. You know what I mean? It, it was check for check, doing the best we could. We just took out a five hundred dollar loan just to bail me out. And suddenly I got to go appear in court, and I'm going, "Oh my goodness, this woman's like filed charges. It's untelling what she's done. I've probably got like you know 
$10,000 worth of stuff when I get over there. So here I had to take a day off work, drive all the way over to Pikeville, Kentucky. And they wanted to like throw the book at me. <laughs> but praise God, he, 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 he put me on like a probationary period because I was working and you can't, can't get money out of somebody that's, you know, that's not working. Um, and I spent the next year, three. <laughs> My wife remembers she's, she does money but way more than I do. Spent the next three years paying restitution. And I remember, I remember I pulled this guy that I worked with to the side, and he was a preacher, and I was like, ma'am, would you pray with me? I said, uh, I'm, I'm really worried about going over to Pikeville, <laughs> you know. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, man, if you've done the crime, you're going to do the time. I'm like, bro, <laughs> preacher, like, come on. What, are you kidding me? He goes, no. He said, he said, we need to give restitution for things we've done wrong in our life. I'll never forget that. He's right. It hurt. It was hard. God made a way. But then Paul goes on and does this amazing thing, and he says, if he owes you anything, I want you to know something. I'll make the payment. Friends, that's exactly what Christ done for us. Every single one of us are Onesimuses. We've been brought into the family. It's very likely that Onesimus could not make that payment himself. But Paul's willing to pay it just like Jesus is willing to pay for us.